When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here podcast. It's called Three Swings. It's a podcast about baseball and other things. Today, it's going to be mostly about baseball because baseball is mostly what's happening. Um, the World Series still going on. Thanks for hanging in there with this uh, likely mad as hell sort of format that we're doing. The off days are helping to uh, put all these days together. And can I just take a moment? Number one, some gratitude. Thanks for listening. Glad you're here. Hope you're uh, staying sane through all this. Kind, gentle with yourself, feeling your feelings, um, you know, and little actions to help yourself and other people. Um, Thanks for listening. I am going to express some gratitude that... (laughs) This is the first year since starting this podcast and in the Likely Mad as Hell tour diary um, that I've been able to see every game of the World Series (laughs) that I haven't had like work come up. Um, That has always been the case. I was, you know, gratefully given opportunities to do shows or shoot. uh, I did two dope queens in the middle of the 2017 world series. Um, And so I missed the games that year of most of the games. I watched game five, but um, yeah, I've had opportunities, which so, so grateful for those opportunities. And now I'm grateful for the opportunity to watch the whole thing. Um, You know, I was really not feeling baseball this year and really feeling like it was yet another uh, you know, thing institution that was letting us down and tricking us and all these things. And it's like, I mean, I can't stop, you know, it's bigger than me. I I can't control it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, sometimes participation isn't advocating for the worst parts of it. If that was true, then I couldn't participate in baseball at all because then I would be advocating for all the things that we talk about on this podcast. Uh, which by the way, I I talked, uh, briefly last week, episode about Julio Urias and his uh, domestic violence disputes, allegations, because uh, the charges were dropped. So I, I can't really say whether it did or didn't happen, but it seems to me that something not great happened. And then also the the clubhouse minor league stuff from a couple years ago, 2015, somewhere around there. Um, so I donated to the East Los Angeles uh, women's shelter Um, I read their website. It did not seem to have any sort of exclusive language in it. It said all are welcome. It does use the word women's shelter. So my hope and belief and faith is that they, they follow their word, which is that all who come to their doors are welcome. 
Um, and so because it's Los Angeles, uh, I donated locally and I donated a hundred dollars for his start. Um, I would rather just give a hundred dollars because he's starting than do like a five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever for every strikeout. It's just like, I would have definitely spent, you know, a hundred dollars to get to a game this year. And I couldn't cause there wasn't any baseball to go see. So I was happy to donate that money and, uh, you know, I wasn't happy to watch him pitch. (laughs) I wasn't, it didn't, it didn't make it any different, but it felt, you know, energetically sort of reparative to send something somewhere as opposed to just be mad at him. You know, like, um, it, it made the anger a little more manageable, I guess. And I, I wasn't, you know, so, so disgusted. It's like, hopefully that hundred dollars can help with something, you know? Um, so, uh, I encourage you to donate to anything that you, you find, uh, to be in need right now, if you can, uh, money is, is always helpful, but I think also, you know, time, caring thoughts. I I know we make fun of thoughts and prayers all the time, but, uh, sending love and positivity to places is a valuable thing. If that wasn't true, why were you listening to my podcast? (laughs) You know, if that wasn't a true thing, then, then why are you listening to anything? You know what I mean? So yes. Well, I, I think that, you know, politicians saying that on Twitter after, you know, atrocities are committed is pretty hollow and, uh, hypocritical. Um, I do, that doesn't mean that those two things don't mean anything. Um, it just means that it doesn't mean something when, when those people say it, um, cause they, they are in a position to to take some sort of action and they're not doing it. Um, so slightly different, you know, uh, and also thoughts and prayers lead you to action. You know, that's what I've learned in the past couple of years of my life is that those two things are not the end. That's not, that's merely the beginning, you know, (laughs) like today I was just spending some time, like putting some good thoughts into my head. And I was remembering how like years ago I used to think about how, Oh, this is just like Pollyannish or, you know, what a stupid thing to like, how dumb, you know, like, oh, I just think positive thoughts and everything gets better. And it's not the external doesn't change. It's that the inside changes. It's that I'm not, I'm literally not feeding myself negativity. (laughs) And I'm just, I'm not telling myself like, oh, everything's great. I'm not the everything's fine on fire dog. You know, I'm actually taking a moment and going like, Oh, I'm okay. I love you. It's okay. Like, what do you want to do today? You know, instead of going like you piece of shit, what were you thinking? Wow. Let's think about third grade and how you said that thing to your teacher. And it was really embarrassing. You know, it's literally that it's just like flipping a channel from like, you know, people, somebody screaming at you to somebody like engaging you in conversation. It's literally can be that small. Um, so yeah, it's all about reframing. And, uh, you know, I, I was just, uh, texting with bench coach Brett about, uh, this episode before I hopped on the, uh, microphone to, to lay it down, to lay down the track as they say, and I don't know, rock and roll R and B. I don't know. Um, and we were just talking about like what great baseball is being played. You know, I, um, I didn't, I wasn't able to catch like every game of the division series. I watched a lot of the wild card series, but I, I, all the games that I've watched have been exciting, um, and have been full of tension, you know, 
and I think I say this every year, but I mean, I think it's a positive to say this every year. Like since, I mean, I've, I started regularly watching the world series again in 2015. That was the first one that I started to really pay attention to it again, to really get back into baseball. Uh, basically after LeBron James went back to Cleveland, I was like, okay, I think maybe I can pay attention to baseball now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, Francisco Lindor was playing and he, you know, and, and I, and to be totally truthful, I was excited by the Cubs <laughs> and then that all played out in, in notorious fashion. But, um, every year it's been exciting. And this year it, I said to him, this world series, every game feels like game seven of 2016, <laughs> you know, with the exception of maybe game two, I don't know. Game two was kind of like n- not quite as exciting, but it's still like baseline, pretty exciting, you know, um, there haven't been any out of reach games so far in this series. And it's been really exciting to watch and we are getting the benefit of, of a really well-played world series, a really well-matched world series. And it's pretty awesome. (laughs) I mean, there's all these other negative things that I could bring up, like seeing all the fans without masks on worrying about the stadium being a vector. They're the players are spitting and not wearing masks and giving high fives. And yet they won't let them throw around the horn, you know, like it's pretty ridiculous, but at the same time, we're getting like, you know, world-class baseball, which is not to say that the world series before this were not, it's just that this is like, it it is like every pitch is important. You know, every game feels like game seven. And like, that is what you want out of a world series. And, um, it seems to me that even people whose teams are not in this world series and who are fans of baseball in a way that they're still willing to watch a world series are excited by it, you know, which is great. Um, cause they have no, uh, you know, dog in the fight. I feel like most of those people are probably cheering for the Rays. <laughs> it looked like it from that map that was going around on Twitter. Um, but you know, here we are watching some really great baseball. Um, and I just am really grateful for that. That's basically it. I'm just really great. Just really grateful for some really great baseball. Um, and to be watching it, um, something just flew in and out of my mind of like something I wanted to bring up. And now I don't know. Uh, this morning I got up early, took my dog for a walk and went to AutoZone and bought some coolant for my car because my light came on yesterday And I did all that instead of like going to the mechanic and it worked. So just passing this along that like there are many things that we think we can't do, um, but we can't totally can't. (laughs) So just give it a try. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is uh, you think you can't do today, maybe try it, you know? Um, And yeah, give it a shot. You never, you truly never know uh, what, what you're capable of. Um, Cause if you just keep thinking you're not capable of it, you never will be. But if you think, huh, I wonder if I could do this. You've got at least a 50, 50 chance of being able to do it. You know what I mean? Get a 50, 50 chance of being able to do it. And we'll get into probability later when we talk about uh game four, but we'll get into, uh, Oh yeah. We're, we're going to get three games. We're getting the whole weekend recap right now. Um, And thanks for being willing to roll with this sort of schedule. It's been a lot easier 
to just cover everything in the on the day off, you know, as opposed to like trying to cover each game. So, all right, game three, the Dodgers rebounded quickly from their loss in game two, zooming out to a 5-0 lead by the fourth inning. Behind a first inning, Justin Turner home run and RBI hits from Max Muncie, Mookie Betts, and Austin Barnes. Um, Austin Barnes hit a <laughs> hit, bunted an RBI sacrifice uh, to score, um, and then later hit a home run, a solo shot home run, and he's the first player to do so in a World Series since 1961. These are the stats that I live and die for. Uh, Dodgers starter Walker Bueller threw 10 strikeouts, got had one walk and only one earned run in six innings, becoming the first pitcher in World Series history to strike out 10 batters in an outing of six innings or fewer. Bueller now has a 1.28 ERA in his past nine postseason starts and could be eligible again in the series if it goes seven games. Charlie Morton took the loss for Tampa Bay. Charlie Morton came into this game with a .57 ERA. He was unarguably, undeniably the best pitcher in the postseason so far, and the Dodgers got to him early. Aggressive bats, patient, patient at bats, uh, and then and then waiting for their pitch and not missing. Uh, five of the Dodgers' six runs in this game came with two strikes and two outs that pushed their postseason total of. 250 two out runs and 36 two strikes runs. Both are postseason records. And speaking to postseason records and just generally this postseason, I was texting with good friends, friends of the show, John Wolf and Adam Conover of uh, Adam Ruins Everything and other projects. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking that, you know, going into this postseason, I was like, there's no way that history is going to look back on this World Series without, you know, some sort of weird lens of, of it not being sufficient, you know? Um, and I think that now that we're in it, it absolutely is, um, going to, I I just, I think everyone will always, it will be the year, the pandemic year, no matter what, even if we have a pandemic still going on next year, which is very possible. Um, and I don't say that to be negative. I just say that to be realistic. Like it feel it will, we will still be feeling the effects of it. And we're who knows what that's going to do to baseball. And at this point, I really don't care. There's other things we need to do first, but realistically, if we are not going to put an asterisk in the 2017 and let's be honest, 2018 world series, um, and then I get, I would even say potentially the 2019 World Series, um, not not for the Nationals, but for the Astros. Um, the fact that you know this blatant and absolute slime stealing was going on. If we're not going to actually put that in print, then we're not going to do that for this either. You know, like if that is true, then also this. And so whoever ends up winning this world series, because it is still up for, you know, it's not done. Um, seeing what is happening on field and we, you know, we will, it, perhaps this is a segue into the next game, but, uh, you know, we're watching some real baseball. Like this is, this is real baseball, you know? Um, and, I would say, you know, we, we, we get mad. I get mad about the shift. I get mad about all these statistics and, 
you know, managing from the iPad and probabilities and futures and all the, you know, the Wall Streeting of baseball and the venture capitalism of it and the, I would say, McKinseying of it at this point with the sign stealing, um, you know, all of these lamenting, you know, exit velocity and, you know, all of this stuff like fly ball revolution, juice balls and all this shit. And then when you realize that like the sign stealing scandal had to happen, so everybody had to sort of revert and like both teams are playing small ball and home run ball. And I, for one, am so grateful that it's all back because I'm, I got tired of watching batting practice. I got tired of watching, you know, the, the three probabilities. I got tired of watching, oh, we're either going to get a home run, a walk, or a strikeout. That is a one-on-one game. That's a, that's, it's a one-on-one game. That's not fun and it's not a team sport and I don't like it. And so I'm just grateful that this world series is not about the three possible outcomes and is actually about every possible outcome that you could ever have when you play baseball. Um, and I missed it I missed it a lot and I'm loving this and, uh, you know, getting to see Walker Bueller succeed. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have a, a thoughts about whatever, his pants are really tight. He uses pine tar clearly. Um, just uh, to see him in an exit interview afterwards and, you know, gr- graciously accept that he is, despite the fact that he is the ace of the team, uh, he is not the number one. And he accepts that. He is accepting of that. And he is... Uh, open to it and uh, has a little bit of attitude, but not about the fact that he's behind Clayton Kershaw, who, despite what you think of him, will probably make it into the Hall of Fame, you know? Um, And that's just something that I think is important. Um, So, oh, oh, the postseason records, I think, you know, do we get these same kind of postseason records in a 162-game season? Maybe not, but you know what? Maybe we needed it. Maybe, maybe we needed a short season to see what baseball can really look like, you know? Um, and I, I don't really want to advocate for a short, shortened season because I, you know, I'm old school when it comes to like baseball is baseball. And I don't, I don't really want to see the game change very much. I want to see who plays it and how it's played change and evolve and open up and, and, and grow. But I don't, I don't think there's, there's something about, you know, the length of the season that to me is important to the sport. However, I just argued that it isn't. So I don't really know. Um, so moving on to game four, uh, the Rays fought back in game four, winning a wild back and forth game that featured four lead changes and one of the most improbable endings in world series history. The Dodgers took a two Oh lead in the top of the third behind home runs from Justin Turner once again and Corey Seager. Turner's home run was his 12th all-time postseason long ball, moving him ahead of Duke Snyder and making him the Dodgers' all-time leader in playoff home runs. Turner also became the first player in World Series history to homer in the first inning of consecutive games. Crazy. Uh, Randy Arena and Hunter Renfro answered with solo home runs in the fourth and fifth inning. That was rookie sensation Arena's ninth home run of the postseason, making him the all-time home run leader for a single postseason. Although Corey Seager is lurking right behind him with eight home runs this postseason. Um, 
And then after a Kike Hernandez RBI double, the Dodgers went up four to two going into the bottom of the sixth when Brandon Lau hit a three run home run to put the Rays up five to four. Um, this was after a pitching change. I disagreed with the time that they pulled Urias. I disagreed with every every pitching change in this game 100%. I have m- multiple people telling me my, I'm wrong and multiple people agreeing with me. Um, but I just, to me, the amount and speed with which Dave Roberts pulls his pitchers grinds on his defense and grinds on his out offense. And uh, you can see that in the next game that we'll recap. So I'll wait to get to that. Um, but I feel as though this, this many pitching changes and this many. Now I listened to talking baseball, the John boy podcast. Um, Cause I wanted to hear somebody else's take on it. And you know, they basically each of those guys, uh, had opposite reads and, you know, they're, they're laying out a formula of like, well, this, this is who's ready. This is who's solid. This is who's, and I guess there's a part of me that's like, okay, the formula makes sense. You, to me, you have a baseline formula and you go, this is what we've got. Okay. But then when you can't deviate from that, when you can't look at the game, when you can't see what's going on and the only thing you're looking at is like decreased velocity over the, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I can't explain it to you any other way than it doesn't feel like you're paying attention. And it does at this point feel like he's, he's just doing the bidding of somebody. It, it It's like deal or no deal. And he's Howie Mandel. And he just has to like, take these like instructions from this shadowy figure in an office. Who's tell, pulling the strings and pushing the buttons and telling him what to do. And none of it has anything to do with any of the people playing the actual game. And that is super frustrating to me um, as a fan of this team and just in general. It looks bad, and I feel like if I was on the Rays and I feel like when I'm watching the game, I can easily put myself into their position because, um, A, I play baseball and I love it and I can do that, and B, I've watched them play a lot of games uh, and I could see it happening. You know, it's like... It's like going back to the Joe Kelly thing in 2018 of like Rich Hill is dealing and we don't know what to do with it. Oh, they're taking him out. We got this game. Like, it's absolutely true. You know, it's absolutely true. So you can send me all the like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but and like the players know it. So uh, Brandon Lau hits that three run home run to put the Rays up five to four. Uh, and then the Dodgers retook the lead in the following inning when Jack Peterson roped a single to right that scored Seager and Turner. Now, Jack Peterson was a pinch hit for A.J. Pollock, who is their center fielder. Um, so then Jack Peterson came in at in left field, and that moved Chris Taylor to center field from second base, and Kike Hernandez goes in at second. Well, no, Kike was at second. Chris Taylor was in left, and that moved him over to center because Cody Bellinger was a DH with lower back stiffness. Um, so that's where that starts. <laughs> also, this is Brandon Lau hit the three-run home run to put the Rays up five to four, and then that Jack Peterson roped single to right was just out of reach of his glove. So my my friend Mike, my co-manager, texted me about the egg. Ag- 
the ecstasy and the agony of baseball right there in Brandon in um yeah, Brandon Lau in in a matter of moments, you know. Um and then Kevin Kiermeyer homered in the bottom of the seventh inning to tie the game after a Corey Seeger RBI single in the eighth put the Dodgers back up seven to six. Kevin Kiermeyer hit that off of, I can't remember now. Um, because it's not in the notes and I just I didn't write it down. But uh in the ninth inning, the Dodgers brought in closer, quote, closer, Kenley Jansen, who struck out pinch hitter. Yoshi Tsutsugo before giving up a broken bat single to Kiermeyer. He then retired Joey Wendell on a lineout before t- walking a Rosarena on seven pitches. They had a mound visit to decide whether we should walk the guy or not. Kenley Jansen says he's my out, and then he walks him anyway. Uh, the Rays then pinch hit Brett Phillips because they have a shorter bench than the Dodgers because they focus a little bit more on their arms than they do their batting because they're pretty solid all the way through um, and seemingly don't really need the pinch hitting. Um, Brett Phillips, an August 27th trade acquisition from the Royals, who hadn't batted in a major league game since October 7th. He wasn't even on the American League Championship Series roster. Phillips fell behind in the count one to two before sending a Jansen cutter into right center field. Now, let me pause for just a moment. He fell behind in the count one to two. Some questionable strike calls in in that one-two count. Also, he was hitting with a two-strike count since 2018.090. The probability of him getting a hit here is almost nothing. Hadn't had a major league at bat since October 7th. Wasn't even on the ALCS roster. So he sends a Jansen cutter into right center field for a single. Kiermaier scored easily from second to tie the game. And when the Dodgers center fielder Chris Taylor bobbled the ball, he looked up too early to make the throw and missed the bounce. It allowed a Rosarena to make a dash for home as well. A Rosarena tripped then while running home after rounding third. Barrel rolled, got up, and the Dodgers would have had him dead to rights on the base path, but Dodgers catcher Will Smith muffed the relay throw. Mostly because Will Smith didn't see a Rosarena or how close he was or the fact that he had fallen down and thought he was seconds away from him because if you watch the replay, Max Muncie slows his throw down because he knows, Oh, he's, we got him. So I'm going to make sure I make this throw. The ball skidded away, allowing a Rosarena to score in probably the most beautiful fashion we've ever seen at home plate, which is basically collapsing on the plate and then just patting it. (laughs) Uh, and giving the Rays the win, Taylor and Smith both both picked up errors on the play. It's a two-error play. Um, Brandon Phillips and Kevin Kiermeyer then just airplane through the whole uh, field. Uh, Brandon Phillips uh, nearly makes himself pass out. He runs so hard. Um, and then by the time he has to go see the trainer just to calm down and get, catch his breath again and make sure everything's all right. Then he finally gets, uh, to the, the post game interview and he just says, man, baseball is awesome. Now in that moment, um, 
I was furious <laughs> and was like, there goes the series. They just lost the World Series. Here it goes again. Like I was I blacked out uh in uh in a crushing defeat. Uh then the next game, Joe Buck said crushing defeat about five times in the first five minutes. Uh, and I was like, how many times is this guy going to say crushing defeat? My friend was like, was it not a crushing defeat? You were, you were crushed. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Actually, let's be honest here. Um, Kenley Jansen, who was just one of six Dodgers pitchers to see action in this game, picked up the loss. Julio Urias went 4.2 innings. Blake Trinan was 0.2 innings. And Pedro, Pedro Baez was the one that gave up that three run home run. Left him in for 1.2 innings. A little thing behind this, too, is that Pedro came out of the inning. Dave Roberts said, Oh, your night's done, Pedro. Good job. Then we got the lead back, and he said, Oh, never mind. You're going back out there. This is the shit you can't do. You just can't do that. You can't do that. You just can't do that. That's not how it works. You're a manager. Your job is to manage not just the game, but your players. And you can't tell somebody, hey, man, relax. You did a great job. Thank you for showing up. See you next time. And then go, never mind. Get get yourself ready to go back out into the World Series. It just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Clearly, clearly it doesn't work like that. Um, <clears throat> they each gave up two earned runs. The decision to send Pedro Baez back into the game in the seventh inning after he had given up the Lau home run in the sixth inning was the latest Dave Roberts managerial decision to be widely criticized online. Baez went on to give up the Kiermaier home run in the seventh. And after the game, Roberts took the blame for sending Baez back in, saying that he had told Baez he was done after the sixth, but then changed his mind when the Dodgers took the lead. You just can't do that. The Dodgers once again scored all seven of their runs with two outs in this game. Would love to see them score in different positions, but hey, whatever works. Um, and the Rays just played some heads-up baseball. You know, they really did. They didn't. Um, th- that's the thing about the Rays is they're not. They're not missing opportunities when they come by. You know, like I think the Dodgers are missing more opportunities. The Rays are not missing opportunities. That's what's happening by this game. Um, and so then we will roll right into our game five. Uh, game five, surprisingly to me, the Dodgers took game five by a score of four to two to go up three, two in the series and put themselves one win away from their first championship since 1988. Oh, I just want to go back to the thing with, uh, Brandon Phillips saying, man, baseball is awesome. Um, grateful that I was able to, in a short amount of time, be able to see that for what it is, which is the truth, you know? It hurts to lose like that, but that is the truth. Baseball is awesome. And you are never too good to make mistakes, you know, and then you have to learn from them. (laughs) That's it. Like that, that shit that happened in that game, that looked like something from my baseball league. And like, I look at that, you could, you could look at it two ways. You could be like, wow, the Dodgers suck. Can you believe these rich guys making these big mistakes on the biggest stage? Or you could just say like, man, baseball is fucking hard and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it just goes like that. And like, it's the same game. It's the same game down the street from you. And it's the same game in Arlington, Texas. And they can never take it from us. No matter how much they charge for it, no matter how much they ruin it, no matter how much they deplete it, no matter how much they lay off the people who have made it the beautiful thing that it is, they can never take it away. They just can't. And that 
end of that game was proof to me that they cannot because that is precisely the same kind of stuff that happens in my league, which is a bunch of people over 30 playing a game that they really love on the weekends. You know, that's it. It's the same thing. I watched the same thing happen. So it's not yours. Nobody owns it. I don't own it. You don't own it. We just get to participate in it. We just get to love it. That's it. So, uh, the Dodgers put themselves one win away from their first championship since 1988. Jock Peterson and Max Muncy led the Dodgers offense with a couple of moonshot home runs in the second and fifth innings, respectively. Clayton Kershaw took the win on a night when he was solid, if not stellar, with six Ks, two walks, and two earned runs in 5.2 innings. Tyler Glass now took the loss for the second time for the Rays with seven strikeouts, three bases on balls, and four earned runs in five innings. The Rays had their opportunities. I was just saying how the Rays were not missing their opportunities. This is the game where they begin to start to miss their opportunities. But went one one for seven with runners in scoring position and stranded five. Most notably in the fourth inning, the Rays had runners on first and third with no outs following walks to Manuel Margot and Hunter Renfro. Manuel Margot was on one in that game last night, and he wanted it. Um, I would say the Dodger player to me that wants it the most, who is not a pitcher, is uh, Corey Seager with per- and perhaps Justin Turner. That's not to say that people are not participating and not doing their part. I just, Corey Seager wants it. He has been injured and not healthy every other trip to the World Series and he is not missing his opportunity to show up the way he's wanted to show up for the last three times. Um, and I'm just really happy for him because he's been hurt and unable to do the job that he's wanted to do. And he has been doing it so far and it's been really wonderful to watch. Um, and that's not to diminish the plays of Mookie Betts or Justin Turner or Max Muncy or Austin, literally anybody. It's just that he has not been able to show up as himself even. Um, and so I'm really happy for him because he just hasn't had this opportunity yet. And I, it's great. Um, and same goes for Manuel Margot. He was hurt a couple days ago and that guy last night was on a mission. And it's just like, this is what, this is what I come to see when I go sit down to watch the world series. Um, which is people rising to the moment and realizing where they are, what it can be and what they can do. Um, and Manuel Margot was doing that last night. Um, <clears throat> uh, so Rays had runners on first and third with no outs following walks to Manuel Margot and Hunter Renfro and a stolen base and throwing error that moved Margot to third. That was uh, Chris Taylor's missed catch uh, with the throwdown at second. Um, Kershaw retired the next two batters on a pop out and a strikeout. And then with a one, one count, that pop out was huge and the strikeout huge also. And then with a one, one count on Kevin Kiermeyer, Margot tried to take advantage of Kershaw's elongated stretch windup and become the first player to steal home in the world series since Jackie Robinson in 1955. Kershaw didn't see Margot's initial jump, but when Max Muncy ran in from first yelling that Margot was stealing home, Kershaw stepped off the rubber as to not get a balk and fired a throw home that beat the slide by inches and ended the inning. It looked very close, and it looked as if on the first replay that he didn't get him, but when you looked again, he absolutely did, and like I just, what a vibe to to try to steal home in the World Series. Couldn't have picked a better moment. Um, but I will say, here's what this 
this whole play teaches me is communication and asking for what you need. Clayton Kershaw always talks to his first baseman and says, you got to tell me if they're running home because I can't see. (laughs) And then trusting that they're going to do it. You know, it's important. It's an important thing. Um, there was another, oh, also just throwing this out there. Two games in a row, Willie Adamas has pulled players off of second base um, in a way that has seemed as though he is not, but he absolutely did. Um, Max Muncy in game four, and then last night, Austin Barnes in game two. It's been interesting to me to see that, not because I'm like pissed and I want him to get in trouble. He has been so troubled at the plate, and I see those two things as linked up. Like if you do that kind of stuff, it, it pays off somewhere else. And for him right now, it's at the plate and he was up at a big moment and couldn't rise to the occasion. And I truly think that when you do stuff like that, now I've been a dirty player in my life. I threw elbows when I played basketball in elementary school. So (laughs) I get it. Uh, am I a, a professional basketball player? Absolutely not. So it didn't pay off, you know? Um, but it was interesting to see that play at second base with Austin Barnes. Um, it didn't really look like much until you saw the aerial view where you absolutely see him push his leg off of the bag, um, which was pretty funny. Um, so the Dodgers lead the series three to two. Game six is scheduled for Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The projected starters are Blake Snell, who tossed a gem for four and two thirds until he gave up what two earned runs. Looks terrible on paper, but he was on one. And Tony Gonsolin, who was pulled after one and a third inning. Uh, so <laughs> the the Rays are putting up their true ace and uh, the Dodgers are putting up a former outfielder in a bullpen game for game six. So we'll see. We'll see how this one turns out. Uh, but I'm excited about more baseball and uh, can't wait to see it. I hope everybody else is enjoying it. Um, we will have some more shirts up on Trash Canyon shortly. I promise I have a new patch and a restock of the old one, the uh, stay tough, stay tender patch. So if you've been looking for that, that will be up on trash Canyon as well. Um, Yes. So what else? That's pretty much it. I think, Um, you know, keep taking care of yourself and other people drink some water. I don't know. (laughs) And uh, I'll see you on the other side of the world series. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.